Welcome to the Raising Strong Kids Through Divorce podcast, a resource dedicated to helping mums and dads co-parent and raise empowered and confident kids. Please visit www.raisingstrongkidsthroughdivorce.com for more information and resources. The views expressed in this podcast represent general thoughts and concepts in relation to the subject matter discussed and should not be relied upon as either legal or professional advice for the purposes of making any significant decisions. Listeners are encouraged and advised to seek legal and professional advice tailored to their circumstances. Hi, my name is Matthew Ball and I'm a public speaker, a writer, a certified divorce coach and a certified NLP practitioner. And here is my co-host, Tasha. Hi, I'm Tasha Belix, a registered psychologist who specializes in supporting children, teens, and their families. I'm also the creator of Between Girls programs, and I'm known to most people as the feelings expert. Okay, Tasha, we're here to talk about... Our child support team. Our child support team. Um, A lot of questions uh, come back from parents with regards to, you know, I'm taking care of myself, but Mm -hmm. how do I support? my child as well and uh, I think there's a lot of benefit to giving your kids uh, a lot of opportunities and avenues to be able to sort of not just support themselves but make sure they're supported too and I think knowing parents often think oh I have to be the one that helps my child cope and manage and get through this yeah so it I think there's a lot of relief that can come to with parents when when you take a step away from just your role with your kids and look at your child kind of like the center of a a social map Mm -hmm. so who are all those other resources and supports in your child's life because it doesn't just have to be you and it can't just be you as as a parent that helps them through it so what is that larger community that can take take care of all of you guys and really lift you up yeah and I think it's Mm -hmm. important point to to, to make as a parent your first initial reaction is I've got to take care of them I've got to do everything I've got to make sure and fix it and everything Mm. goes But the reality is, and I know when I say this to some of my clients, they sort of look at me as if I've got two heads. But but when I say to them, your child may not want to talk to you, (laughs) right? They they may not want to spill the beans Mm -hmm. on what's going on inside their minds because they don't want to hurt you. And they may have an issue with you, but they don't want to say anything to you. So because of that, if you're bombarding them with questions all the time, they're just going to go inside and not not say anything, right? Well, and kids deserve to, you know, come home from their day of school and walk into their home and just have it feel like a home. Yeah. So how was your day? Are you worried about mom? Are you worried about dad? Let's talk about the divorce. That is not a fun home to be in. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that those conversations don't happen at times when the young person is ready to have those conversations. But it is not unusual for people to want to kind of compartmentalize that hard stuff. Um, we do it all the time as adults if we're working with, you know, a close friend or a therapist on our own stuff. We don't mm-hmm. want to talk about that stuff 247. So yeah. no kids are no different. It's hard to bring up that stuff. We kind of want to avoid it. So it might be that you're, you know, a neighbor down the road who your kids play, you know, road hockey with is actually the person that they feel okay as they're cleaning stuff up to talk a little bit about what it's like not having mom or dad at the house anymore. Um, and then they can put a lid on it and go home and home is just home again. Yeah. Mm. So should should people just wait until the child needs this or should this be more of a proactive thing? I would say it? proactive. Okay. <laughs> and that's the essence of these podcasts. Is So if you're a parent listening to this, I would grab a piece of paper and draw your child or your kids in the middle of of that piece of paper put a circle there and then stick 
have sticks like spools spokes on a on a wheel coming out from that circle and start brainstorming all those different support areas that are in your child's life and you might start with the obvious oh grandma and grandpa's house oh the day home oh school and then as you start to brainstorm there might be more support places that you hadn't initially thought of mm-hmm. oh there's there's you know the people at the dance studio or the hockey team oh gosh we belong to a church that's a great place too and we've got that fabulous set of neighbors that are down the road that my kids have always really liked mm-hmm. and then i've got you know former friends from preschool i've got the the teachers so be as creative as you can with thinking of all those different places it might even be thinking ahead to the summer and remembering like a great camp that your kids went to because that can be a consistent piece in their life as well and so once you've got that kind of taken all that stuff spooling around in your head and put it on a piece of paper you might start to realize that there are a lot of people that can really help your family out and in particular help your kids out mm-hmm. who are those go-to people for them and it might not be the person that you would necessarily pick first off it's who that young person resonates with the most yeah. and be okay to ask for help our in our world people often feel a lot of shame around and an embarrassment about feeling weak if they're saying hey this is something that we're struggling with i'm wondering if you could give my son or daughter a little bit of extra time i know that you guys went through this and and i'm I really am asking you for some support here. I don't think anyone, if they know that you're, if you can articulate what's going on for you Mm -hmm. and they can offer a hand and help, I don't know anyone really on this planet unless they've got a lot of stuff going on in their own life that wouldn't be there to help your family out. Yeah. But if you don't ask for it, you're not going to necessarily get that support. Okay. so before we, um, before I want to go down sort of that that uh, that path with regards to how to ensure that the support system is successful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who? So we've mentioned a few places and people that you would likely go to. Who would make somebody that would be a bad support person? And not because they're a bad person, but maybe okay. they're not necessarily in the right place, frame of mind, or anything along those lines. I think kids at any age and stage really thrive on consistency and someone that's going to be accountable. So if you've got a great uncle in your life who could show up, I'll see you at 10 o'clock on Saturday. We'll go out for breakfast. If that uncle is going to show up at 10 o'clock and take your son or daughter out Mm -hmm. for breakfast, great. That would be someone that you'd want to sort of massage that relationship so they, he or she could grow into a support person. If they were someone that was, um, kind of inconsistent and not someone that was really accountable, I'm not sure that's who you really want to be pushing your child to to invest hope into because it's really going to erode their sense of trust. So in a divorce, you've already, a, something that kids have come to know, we wake up in the same house with mom and dad or dad and dad or mom and mom, yeah. and now it's different. That sense of trust and stability is going to be a bit wobbly and changed. Mm-hmm. So when you want to help foster your kids to have new relationships we want them to be ones where we can't predict it but we want to set it up to be as successful as possible so someone that's quite trustworthy obviously but someone who's consistent Mm -hmm. because they need to know that that i can count on that person yeah yeah what about if you have uh friends of yours that have been through a really messy divorce and Mm. 
you know they haven't listened to our podcasts and <laughs> taken the advice they're not um, enlightened yet. <laughs> exactly yeah um but but their family's <laughs> not in a good headspace mm-hmm. um but your kids are close uh, yeah. and the reason why i i, I say this is uh, i've heard m- many stories of okay. of people that have, have taken their kids to you know other parents places and and when they come home, the kids have shared what the other kids have said. You know, I never see my dad, so you can expect your dad to disappear. Or, um, you know, our family's just broken, and so your family's going to be broken. Or we don't have any money, so you know, mm-hmm. you might as well expect not to get any Christmas presents. And, and just little comments like this that um, that unfortunately um, make the child go into a, a, a bad place, and uh, and it's not necessarily the impact that we wanted it to be, even mm-hmm. though we've um, that we want what's best for our kids. So, so that would be a young person sharing his his story or experience of what a divorce was like to him or her. Yeah. With your child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which you would hope. P.S. That's not going to be the story that you live by. Yeah. And so, like I would say, with anything in life, if your kids come home and they're talking to you about it, that you can say, you know, it must be really hard for kid number X to be to have an experience like that. Mm-hmm. I really feel for his situation. And I'm glad you shared this with me. What did it make you feel? Right. So without jumping to huge conclusions about, oh no, now my child is looking up names of foster families because you know they can yeah. see what's happening in yeah. their world, that you want to touch base with your young person and ask them, what did, what did you think when that happened? Yeah. And it, did it leave you worried? Mm-hmm. And if so, kiddo, what does it make you worry about? And that makes sense to me. Yeah. Like you heard it and then you started to think that maybe dad and I might do the same thing. And we told you that we'd work really hard to make sure we were always parents that loved you no matter what and worked to be really good parents to raise you even if we're in different homes. Yeah. I bet you that probably rattled your world. And so it it's a place for you to have a conversation mm-hmm. with your son or daughter. Yeah. I wish I had a Tasha on my shoulder when I was doing the <laughs> The way that you just describe it is like that just makes total, total sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're validating what the, your child is feeling, what they're saying, but you're validating it in a way that you're not putting any additional emotion to this or making it worse or mm-hmm. better than it is, right? Um, and that obviously builds trust between you and your, your kid. So we've identified some places that I think would be good support systems. And you mentioned, mm-hmm. let's like, say, grandparents or the friends down the road, for example. Um, should should we be having conversations with those people about our expectations and why we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. and what you what for out for and, and kind of come to some agreement that uh, that you know if our child is spending time with them and they do say something that's concerning that they should be able to tell us like how how do you set mm-hmm. that whole um, I don't know what to call it it's not a contract but how do you set that agreement up that relationship up because you're doing this for the child but at the same time they could be telling you some stuff which could help you help the child more absolutely right? so I think again it depends on the nature of the relationship that you have with your son or daughter and then and your relationship with that extended support system mm-hmm. so there I think when kids are younger it's a lot easier to share information back and forth you know the kids are going over to grandma and grandpa's house this gives me time to cry sleep go on a walk get organized whatever it is that I need to do to take care of myself um, I know that my kids are in a safe place they're going to be you know, loved up in a way that's really appropriate for them. And if grandma and grandpa know your kids, they might see a kind of a change in them. They may not see any change whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Or well, you know, you're outside raking leaves with your grandma, you might, your son or daughter might share that they feel really sad. And so those moments, I think it would be lovely if we have a open communication with, with that support person in our life that grandma, you know, without kids hearing about it, 
just phones or or has a little quick conversation at pickup and just says you know you're we were raking leaves and I know that I know that Jonathan's a little he felt he told, shared with me that he's a little sad and I'm so glad he shared it with me and I just wanted you to know right, right? and you know what keep these kids coming to our house because we are a safe place where they can bring this stuff I think when you're moving into the teen years I think I know from teenagers it doesn't it it erodes that sense of trust that mm-hmm. if I've shared something with you unless you tell me you're going to tell my mom or dad don't do it <laughs> because if they find out that you've gone kind of you've so I'm a grandma and I've heard or I'm a grandpa and I've heard that my my young granddaughter's really struggling or feeling really angry because of what mom did or, or you know or what's decided in the family and grandpa goes around that young teenager's back and tells mom or dad that mm-hmm. the nature of that conversation now that girl that thought she trusted grandpa might right. make a change i thought you were a safe person yeah. but now i realize i can't tell you this yeah. stuff it's one thing if it's life and death if there's a young person that's self-harming or talking about wishing they weren't alive and i'm abusing drugs oh my gosh you you know you need to inform parents of that stuff because they need to make sure their kids are safe but if it's just emotional stuff it's just hear it (laughs) and know that you can you know pass over to mom or dad we had a really good conversation today and I'm so glad that I can be a support for your son or daughter Mm -hmm. and that's know that if I ever worry about them I will let you know but I keep them coming back to my house because I think we've got a really special bond Mm -hmm. and if I'm a mom or dad and I I knew that that was happening and this could be with in-laws this isn't necessarily your own mom and dad just be happy don't be jealous. Don't want to dig around and find out what that conversation was about. Just be thankful that there's someone that loves your kid and can be that listener for your son or daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's say that I am the grandpa and, mm-hmm. and my kids have come to me and said, you know, oh, sorry, one of my kids have come mm-hmm. going through a divorce. Could you please take care of the, the grandkids and just, you know, make sure check in. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, how far should I probe? How much should I probe? What questions should I ask? Should, should I, should I like, get to the point where I'm forcing them to talk about how they're feeling or do I just not say anything and if I don't get anything out of them have I failed like how how, Mm -hmm. as a grandparent and by the way parents if you're listening to this and and you've identified a support person maybe Mm -hmm. get them to listen to this podcast as well this section is specifically for them and it doesn't it could be a grandparent you could be a coach listening to this you could be a a best friend or a yeah. pretend auntie to the family yeah. it's always the same yeah exactly yeah. yeah so we're using grandpa grandma as as an example but to your point it could be any one of those um For those sure. circle of people as well so like what, what how, how far should i probe do i so building a relationship is the key piece right. right you need to have trust you need to have open communication you need to have fun together yeah um i don't know that you want to go into the role of being a mini therapist and ask oh I better each time I see this person I need to ask 10 open-ended questions about how they're handling the divorce and make notes yeah Yeah. and make notes um you know that's not that's not I don't think that's the intention so people don't need to feel that that's what they need to do but but I think know that you might be pushed out of your comfort zone a little bit because I think you actually do have to say you know kiddo I know stuff has gone on for you this year and there's there's some more stress in your house than normal. 
I want you to know that I'm someone that is always open to talking to you about mm-hmm. that and listening if it ever comes up. And you, and if you felt like you wanted to open the door around that stuff with me, I'd be a safe person to share that stuff with. Right. And so if I'm someone that's like, oh my, if I'm grandpa and I'm like, I do not do this feeling stuff, it seems really weird to me. Mm-hmm. Know that, imagine how hard it is for the young person, your little 12-year-old grandson or the little five-year-old to open up the door and talk about that. It is a million times harder. Yeah. So man up or person up <laughs> um, and and invite that open door to be yeah. able to have those conversations. I think doing it when you're busy in an activity is often a whole lot easier than sitting across from them and like holding their hands and looking into their eyes. Yeah. Too intense. Yeah. But while you're driving down the road to go to an ice cream shop yeah. or at, you know when you're cleaning up the dishes after dinner yeah. that you just make mention of it. And yeah. I think you don't just do it once. Yeah. You don't have to do it on every visit, yeah. but that periodically you just check in and let them know and then stop talking. So this is the thing that's really hard is that sometimes, especially if we're nervous or we really want to help, we want to throw to ideas and we, we want to fill up the space. But this is where you might actually make yourself stop talking and count to 30 because it might give that young person just enough time to say, yeah, there is something that I wanted to tell you about. Mm-hmm. And it might usually what they want to tell you about is the is not what you thought they were going to tell you it's something very different like yeah i can tell that our dog is really sad because mom and dad aren't living together and you're like i never would have thought of that yeah but that might be how the young person can talk about their own hard Mm -hmm. feelings but it's a lot easier to talk about how hard it is for sandy the dog yes (laughs) Because, and then you can empathize with how hard it would be for a dog. Yeah. Yeah, I bet it would be hard. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah. She misses your dad. Who wouldn't? Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think another piece too that is critical if you're going to be that support person for a young person um, is that if you have intimate knowledge of some of the details and how things are progressing in the divorce, yeah. which aren't always pretty, that if you are pulled in loyalty to one person, that you keep your opinions to yourself. It is so unfair and uncool to be letting your own bias spill out. Right. So if a young person talks about how much Sandy the dog is missing dad, that if you know information about the nature of why that needed to happen, mm-hmm. that you just talk about the dog and again ask the kid, you know, what it what do you think about that? Oh, yeah. I can Im- imagine how hard that must be for you. Yeah. Um, that you're not adding to the story. Which leads kind of perfectly into my next question. Okay. Which was going to be, let's say a child asks grandma, mm-hmm. do you think mommy and daddy should have separated? Or they ask some question where they're trying to get the opinion of somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, how would how should <laughs> someone respond to that? These, this is a hard question, Matt. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. I think... <laughs> You might, as kids get older, yeah. once they're adults, possibly, you can open up more of those more honest adult-type conversations. But again, your role is a support person to that young person. You are not in the role of helping um, cultivate the story that yeah. that young person is telling himself or herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You really want to stay as neutral as possible. And the truth is... That young person will be healthier if they have a good relationship with both parents. Yeah. And so 
keep that in mind. It's not just, I need to, this is unfair what happened to my kid or what happened to my best friend. And I, this is, it seems in the moment it's a huge deal, but in the span of someone's life, it actually is, it's a big boulder in a pond, but it's not gonna send ripples forever. So we wanna keep things as neutral as possible and as calm as possible so that we're not polluting how that young person looks at their their parent moving forward. It is not helpful to put adult stuff on a kid's shoulders. Mm -hmm. And when I say kid, I mean anyone under the age of 18. I I think, you know, moving into early 20s, it's not unusual for parents um, for there to be a rise in divorce when when kids are out of the house and and kids are off at university. Mm -hmm. That, okay, we stay together for our kids, um, which I wouldn't recommend, but we stayed together for our kids. There was no connection between us. It was very evident we were not a loving couple, but we thought it would be better to get them all off to university. Um, Everyone's off at school. P.S. Now we're getting divorced. That is, again, with your young adult children, not the place to unload some of the the skeletons in the closet as to why this was going to happen. It really, it's, it's your relationship with your parent and let the young person figure it out for themselves and maybe work with someone that's outside of the family to talk through some of this stuff. It's really important for the, in this, in this example, the grandparent to not get caught in the story or get dragged Mm -hmm. into the story they've got to be that neutral third party that's that's asking questions checking in but giving your opinion about something depending on what what it is could be a dangerous thing and grandparents could also just really in a very assertive way say you know what kiddo that's adult stuff yep and i can't tell you about it yep right and they but why but why Mm -hmm. and it can just be because it's adult stuff and I know it doesn't sound fair and it's probably super annoying yeah but it's just the way it is yeah right yeah that makes sense yeah so we've mentioned uh, I just want to sort of circle back mm-hmm. on 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 things that are available to individuals that that may be thinking about this so yeah. from a support group so we yeah. mentioned grandparents yes we mentioned absolutely. um you know friends and families that maybe live near us mm-hmm. we mentioned teachers Oh, I don't know that we really did talk too oh, much we? about okay, teachers. So I think we might have said school. Yeah. So again, kids, if they're not in an emotionally regulated place, which sounds like, let me put it in different words. If you're worried and anxious and angry and upset, you are not ready to learn. And we know that we know this from what we what you know scientists have studied in terms of what we know about brain science nowadays. Mm-hmm. We need to be in a in a calm place physiologically to be able to access the upper levels of our brain or prefrontal cortex to be able to problem solve to be able to really learn and integrate information into us the way we want right so for a school and this is you know any classroom teacher would know if i don't have my classroom feeling safe i my lesson it doesn't matter how great it is is not going to resonate with them Mm -hmm. and if you've got a young person in your class um, whose parents are going through a divorce, you know that their their home life is not as consistent as what it once was. Or it would be different, different I guess. Yeah. Different, let's say different. So anytime there's change in a family system, there's some wobble and there, there could be, you know, some upheaval and some emotional stuff that comes up. And so I think as as a parent, in a very respectful way, being able to, and I mean respectful to your young person, so to your own child, not hey, can I talk to you, you know, it's, and having a conversation about the recent separation 
with kids in the cloakroom all hanging around, but right. being able to send an email to the teacher and say, can I just have a quick conversation with you when you've got a spare moment to be able to let the, the classroom teacher know, I'm, I'm telling you this because I want you to know what's going on for my son or daughter. Dad and I have done a separation, or Mom and I aren't, um, my wife and I are, are moving towards divorce. Um, we're trying our best to keep, keep that stuff away from our kids, but I, it likely might have an impact on, on how my son or daughter shows up. I just want mm-hmm. you to know because I value your relationship with my kid. You're right. one of those people that's a support in my kid's life. Yep. Um, and so if they are a little bit quieter, or if you do see them you know, getting so busy doing too much homework, <laughs> um, there might be something more emotional going on just and know that the communication lines are open. I want you to let me know because I really see us all being on a team together raising mm-hmm. my son or my daughter. Um, you don't need to make a big deal about it in the class. He's really private about it. Um, but just know that it's going on. And I'm and again, when kids are younger, you might you might not go home and say, oh, you know what, um, Megan, I told your classroom teacher that dad and I are not living together. That might be something where you know as a parent I've shared it with someone that's important in her support mm-hmm. world. My child doesn't need to know that yet. And then as it becomes more normalized, and often kids don't want to share that their parents aren't living together with their friends initially. Like it can take a few months before kids, well, I can trust that person because I know that they've had this going on in their life. They're yeah. allowed to have that, right? Um, and be able to decide how they tell their story and when they tell it and to who they want to share it with mm-hmm. or whom they want to share it with. Um, but that as it becomes more normalized, at some point, once it is real, you're living in different houses, it's been a few months, that you might be the one as a parent that has to say, kiddo, I'm going to start talking more openly about this. When someone says, hey, I've seen you you know, at soccer, but you don't have your wife with you. What's going on? I'm not going to make up a story anymore. Yeah. I need to make this kind yeah. of real. And I, I'm not going to be mean about your mom, but I just want people to know. I'm going to say, you know what? It, it's really sad, but we've just we're we're getting divorced um, because I need it to just be the kind of out in the air. Yeah. And you know what, kiddo? By by not making it a secret, then we all get the support we need. Maybe we'll go have a nice dinner with them, and we don't have to make up a reason why mom's not with us. Yeah. We can it can just be our new normal. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. What about the role of um, doctors and psychologists? Sure. How do they play roles? So I um, often when I meet families, I encourage people, and often people come to me because of family doctors. Family doctors are amazing. They are really skilled with um, psychological wellness and things that are that are sort of mind body related. They are great listeners. That's usually why they've gone into family medicine because they want to see a family thrive, and so know that that is a free, accessible resource that you know what you're a parent you you know you're going through a divorce believe <laughs> just know that it will take it'll have a wobbling impact on your own health for a little while you cannot go through a huge change like that without it impacting you on some level you might want to go talk to your family doctor as a parent just to say this is going on i'm trying really hard to to you know keep my battery charged i'm you know taking care of my health i'm not drinking too much i'm da 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 da, da. i just wanted you to know um, and your family doctor might be able to listen and give you some ideas and also give you some referral ideas as well. You as a parent might want to go see your own social worker or psychologist to work through some of your own big feelings. But if your family doc has an idea that this is going on, the next time you know your son who's 16 goes in for a checkup, 
the family doctor can just say, hey kiddo, I know you know, some stuff went on with mom and dad last year and I just wanted to check in on, on how you're really doing. Because I know, I know that it actually can take a bigger toll than we think yeah. on, on people, right? Yeah. And then doctor's quiet so their patient can talk. Um, and that, I think that is a resource that people should know about and not everyone thinks, hey, I can go to a doctor for an emotional issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And often our stress level, if we can make that smaller, impacts every other system in our body right um so it's not unusual for you know kids to have more wake-ups in the night or sore tummies or more headaches when there's big changes in a family and so having your family doctor in that conversation that can say actually you know what i i'm i know this isn't an ulcer i know it feels like something's going on and you want me to give you a pill that's going to fix it but i actually think this has more to do with a feeling in your body that's popping up in your bossy tummy. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The person that you want to talk to about that is someone that has the name of a psychologist or a feelings expert or a social worker, and they are really good at kid, helping kids figure out those feelings so that it, you don't have a stomach that's bugging you so much. Um, not everyone, as we know, would access a, a psychologist or a therapist for support during divorce. Yeah. And not everyone has to. Um, I think knowing that you having a support system for your young people and for yourself is critical for some kids and if you are a parent that wants to you know do the gold standard of how i help my kids through this divorce i think that there's real value in having an introduction with a psychologist that specializes with divorce Mm -hmm. so someone that can meet your family and just be really honest about some of the changes and some of the things that could happen um and that they're a person that that is there to hear what you're saying without judgment yep. and if it and really help you make sense of of the change in your family um and the, out of a family i'm thinking of three kids you might have two that think that's a great idea and one that's like no thank you mm-hmm. and again i would i would say we're gonna go meet this person once because and we'll see what it's like and they know that that's a person that they yeah. could access yeah. you might have one or two kids that are fully on board they know they want it it's a they go a few times you know like brief therapy, this would be sort of like up to about eight sessions. Um, and then it really just helps your family get through the initial phase that's mm-hmm. tough and then la- be launched in life. And psychologists that work with divorce are really good um, resources and supports for parents as well. Yeah. Yeah, because there's yeah big emotions that come up there for parents too. Oh, yeah, I, can, and I can imagine. Many well-laid plans and promises <laughs> that are made um, in the initial phases of the divorce that don't yeah. always... Um, yeah. really show up as you yeah. imagine they would. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people start off with this is going to be an amicable divorce yeah. but as the details get ironed out and as people suddenly realize mm-hmm. what they're walking away with or what they're not walking away mm-hmm. with and you know, what's up for grabs and how the other person's dealing with and things can fall off the, uh, the, the bandwagon there. Um, what about books? Cool. So what, which books do you really like? Which When you, you were supporting your own kids and when you're talking to clients which are the kids books that you kind of go to um so looking back to uh, sorry looking back when when we were going through this mm-hmm. um i went to the uh local um bookstore here and uh, picked up a couple of books and one mm-hmm. of them was um 
uh, I think it was called the Dinosaurs Divorce or something yep. along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for this was I wanted to start introducing the, the kids to what to expect, what's to come, mm-hmm. how they're going to feel about this, something for them to relate to. Um, and, you know, initially the, the, the girls, um, my girls were uh, open to hearing these books and reading the books. Mm-hmm. But once you've read them three or four times, they kind of lost a little bit of interest. And yep. then that's when I, I think I really sort of matured onto building this support system mm-hmm. up with psychologists mm-hmm. and everything else. But it was a good introduction to having the child be able to focus on something that was not me, that we were both talking to and actually engage in this. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing about it was at the end of the book, I could ask a couple of questions. What did you think of this? What did you think of that? I didn't make it about my divorce. I made it about what they thought about the story of divorce mm-hmm. in the book itself. And it, and it did open up some conversations with, uh, with the girls back then. So I found it as a great resource yeah. i think you know sort of as a long-term resource personally it's probably not the best one but mm-hmm. initially to get the conversations going and to sort of start finding out where the when dinosaurs divorce is a classic yeah. and the neat thing about it is it's they're dinosaurs so it's very the the characters in the book are accessible to wherever you are on the gender spectrum yeah. right yeah. it's not like a little mouse wearing a pink dress that's talking about it so <laughs> i think that's really nice yeah. i think having a few books out on your coffee table yep. it sounds like you that word divorce needs to be kind of out in the open so yep. kids can take a look through those books yep. as they need to there's a couple other ones that i think are pretty good as well there's um my family's changing and it's got some guided questions for parents to follow at the mm-hmm. end and two homes yeah um and and know that if your kids start to wiggle as you're reading these books that might be your cue that they've they've they're at capacity. Right. So, you know, you might be reading the first few pages and then someone starts playing with Lego. You know that you've planted some seeds and yep. that's okay. It's not a matter of we are going to get to page 37 and discuss all the leading questions at the back of the book. Um, it's kids know what they can handle, yeah. but you want to, it's a wonderful tool to use. And even if I'm a parent and talking about this, this stuff is really hard. I'm yeah. choking back my tears. Having a book helps take it a little a, a step away from your own emotions as well yeah. um which is lovely to do there's a, a new book that's come out for teenagers and um it's a, a divorce workbook for teens there's about 30 different exercises they can kind of work through i think it is something that you could offer to a teenager what i find with a lot of workbooks and teenagers is they say thank you and then it goes on their desk or like on the floor with all their laundry and stuff and so it might be something that you as a parent or support person look through Mm -hmm. and might come up with a few of those exercises that you can weasel into conversations um or do it alongside like what if you did like the first couple lessons and then we'll talk about it when we're hiking in Banff this weekend and see how it goes yeah, yeah. see how it goes it's not like a oh I bought that workbook for yeah, know, totally, for teens uh, and it like totally done good, yeah. I have done my job yeah um there's an again a very classic book that I think is nice for parents to look at by Jane Nelson um and it's really positive discipline for divorced parents and that one is incredibly encouraging and again giving lots of very practical tools on how to plan family meetings and listen to kids and some of the conversations you can have and how you invite cooperation um it's a classic classic book that i think is well worth looking at um and gives you really good food for thought if you're a parent that's like how the heck do i do this um it's fantastic cool yeah we've covered a fair bit today as we always do um any sort of last 
key takeaways or um, things that you want to leave people with? Um, my only really big push for parents is to know, I don't care who you are and how super you are, you cannot do this without asking people for help. Yeah. And I'm saying this, this is something that I work on my, <laughs> continue to work on. You can't do it on your own. Um, and there is no shame. In fact, it, it, it actually shows strength when we say, help, <laughs> yeah. I need some support. Yeah. And so that's what I would say to parents is, is be honest and ask for support from people that you, that you get the sense can trust and hold some space for your family and help support you through this. Yeah. No, I, I like that one, and, uh, and 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 mine is, uh, and we said this in a previous podcast. You know, you got to let kids be kids, and you mm -hmm. and just because your divorce is going on, no matter where you are in the journey, you can't um, take away that opportunity for a child to be a child. So, so in your support group, it, they're not just there to make sure your 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 child is safe and they've got someone to talk to. But if you're not in the capacity to be able to give your child a great experience, like going to the mountains mm. or going to the, the fun fair or having popcorn or going down to a show or whatever the case may be, you can rely on your support group to be able to sort of give that, that child the opportunity to. So, mm -hmm. so that's, uh, that's, that's my key takeaway. Okay, cool. This as well. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.